Тебя, из моего чудного, прекрасного далека Тебя вижу. Бедно, разбросано и неприютно в Тебе. Не развеселяться. Dangerous uh, to the uh, to the public interest, like pornography. Well, in any form, you see, you, uh, it may be well very well presented, and say that uh, well this is a kind of art, but it's still it's still pornography. Well, uh, if the ideas are uh, dangerous, out of 250 million citizens in the Soviet Union, there are 15 million. Party members, and out of the of the population, approximately 100 million are trade union members. Sounds from the Soviet Union. Sounds from a union of more than a hundred nationalities, a union of 15 different republics, the union of Soviet socialist republics, one of which is Russia. And it's from there we'll get our interpretation and feeling of the USSR for the next 40 minutes or so, mainly from the big cities of Moscow and Leningrad, and with the gentle help of interpreters and guides like Olga, Natasha, Igor and Lillian. By the 1st of July 1976, the population of our country was 256 million, 135 million women and 118 million men. As for the young people, there might be uh, men and women 50-50. Uh, But as for the older generation, because of the Second World War, we may have more women than men uh, in the age of 50, 60 or 65 years old. As uh, for the professions, we have a so-called women profession in our country. For example, uh, teachers uh, at schools, and different teachers and professors at the universities and other higher educational establishments, about 71% of them are women. And as for the medical aid, also our medical doctors and nurses, more than 85% of them, I mean more than 85% of them are women. In art, about 44%, in trade, about 75%, and uh, in uh, culture, education, we have anywhere also about 73%, as many as we have for different kinds of uh, teachers. 
As for the higher education, we have equal number between men and women who have the higher education in uh, different professions. Our women in the country are equal to men. Uh, they have the vote, they may elect and they may be elected. For example, in the local Soviets, that are the governing bodies of our country, we have also about 50% of women. And in the Supreme Soviet in Moscow, 31% of their members are women as well. And in the local Soviets, so that is in the villages, we have uh, every second person, every second member of the local village Soviet is a woman. Well, on the contrary, we have some men professions. For example, you can't find any woman wake, uh, working in the coal mines. And it might uh, be interesting for you to know that uh, we may have women as uh, drivers in the taxi, in a trolley bus and tram system, but you can never find a woman who is a bus driver. This is considered to be a very hard profession and for men only. And now, in front of the bus, a beautiful panorama of the Moscow Kremlin is coming into sight. Well, today is really a very lucky day for a sightseeing tour of Moscow. You'll be seeing all beautiful uh, domes of the Kremlin shining in the sun. But uh, right now we're going to see the Red Square, which is the main square in the city, and then uh, we're going to see the whole panoramic view of the Kremlin. Red Square and the Kremlin, the hub of the capital. At night, the walls of the Kremlin glow like the coals of a dying fire, and the large red stars and the towers are clearly visible across the city. But now, in the early morning, a long queue is forming on the far side of the square, waiting patiently for admission to Lenin's tomb. The streets are immaculate and tidy, and they're being cleaned by women in black, with shawls around their heads. They're some of the war widows in Russia. Lenin's tomb, or as somebody described it, the living heart of the Soviet Union, is guarded constantly. The troops being changed each hour as the great Kremlin clock chimes the passing of the time. For the visitor, I think, the sight which best demonstrates the Soviet character is that long, long line of citizens who wait hour after hour to enter the building and pay their tribute to Vladimir Lenin. <laughs> On the side of the square opposite the Kremlin wall is the largest department store in Moscow, known as Goom. It specializes in all kinds of goods and, like all shops in the USSR, which are entirely state-owned, prices are the same as in the remote districts. In the shops and on the streets, quite a number of young people approach you when they hear you speak English and seem anxious to get some practice at a second language. Particularly young people like Tanya from Riga, who had the benefit of a higher education. I lived there for uh, half a year. Then uh, my family moved to Tallinn. We lived in Tallinn for a couple of years. 
Then we moved to Leningrad. My father was in the Navy, and uh, that's why our family had to travel a lot uh, along the uh, country. Then um, we moved to the south of our country, and after that, when I was uh, 10 years old, we moved to the Far East, where we spent um, about five or six years. Um, after that, when my father retired, we again moved to Leningrad and settled there. I graduated from Leningrad School and entered Leningrad State University. And uh, one wonders, of course, about young people and discipline. They're certainly very orderly in the metro, in the parks, and on the streets. But how are they in the schools? I think that in schools uh, we might have some problems about uh, they are not studying well. Because as for the behavior is concerned, I think it's okay anywhere because the attitude between the school children and teachers usually is very good, and very dis friendly. Discipline is good in yes, the discipline is it. Well, you, I think you know that teachers are different. They are all human beings. And the, the discipline, of course, very much is dependent on the behavior of the teacher herself, how she or he may manage, you know, just handling the uh, children. But in general, the discipline is good. The teachers may be loved, may be esteemed, or it might be just a very cool attitude, but still the discipline is good. But um, as for some adults, I think there, are, there might be some smoking problem, because the boys who are 15, 16 year old, they must try <laughs> to hide somewhere in the small cabinets and small rooms and smoke there. But as for the drugs, uh, we don't have this problem at all. This is 100% guarantee. Alcohol with teenagers? Well, it might be, yes, that when they just begin to celebrate some birthday or some New Year day or Christmas, anything in the country, they might begin to drink some wine or Russian vodka, which is very strong. And uh, there might be some fighting between young people, uh, some struggling. Uh, Maybe it might be of interest for you to know that if there are any accidents, anything like crime in the street, our people are punished for that, and they might be sentenced for two years, for five years. Well, it depends on the crime in prison. But if a person was in the drunken state, he would be sentenced for more years. This is no excuse. Now, if I were across there tonight near the Aurora, and I was drunk, what had happened to me? Well, if you don't beat anybody, <laughs> nothing happens to you. There might be some policemen, or there might be some uh, people who help the policemen, because, you know, in our city, for example, we don't have enough policemen. And there are some volunteers, the member of some special volunteer squads that have the red ribbons over their um, elbows, and arms, and these people help to see that uh, people behave in the normal way in the streets. Well, uh, they may help you to come back to the hotel and to go to bed and have a deep sleep there. If you begin to fight, then they might, ma must, or might, take you uh, to the nearest police station. And there they must investigate something about your behavior, why, in what state you are. And if people are in a terrible state, drinking too much of vodka, then they must be taken to the special hospitals where they sleep at night, they are cured from such a state. But next morning, they, will, they would 
pay the fine of 15 rubles. That is the punishment for their terrible behavior the previous night. Moscow isn't yet provided with a great many snack and coffee bars, though they can be found in some of the main streets. And if discos aren't as plentiful as here in Ireland, maybe the demand for them isn't so great. Very often you have people from, well, the Anglo-Saxon countries coming and saying, life in Moscow is dull, you, uh, the Moscovites go to bed about 10, 11 o'clock, and there's no uh, such thing as uh, nightlife. Uh, but perhaps it's a difference in psychology of the people. The younger generation here, for instance, they're, they're all for, um, you might say, participation. Uh, they want to do things, and uh, their notion of doing things isn't only dancing and singing and sitting up in cafes. Uh, they feel, well, that uh, being active in, say, social affairs, uh, even political affairs uh, in the community is something that compensates for uh, what you call a lack of nightlife. Well, I think that our young people uh, prefer in the evenings, uh, usually it is uh, Saturday evening and Sunday, because uh, our schools and uh, higher education establishments have uh, their schooling during six days a week and having only Sunday for their day off. So usually on Saturday evening and also Sunday evening, uh, they go to some big uh, concert halls to listen to any concert or to the serious music, which is very popular with our young people, at any rate in Leningrad, as far as I know. Also cinema and theater, in spite of all the competition of the TV program, are very popular in Leningrad. And young people, I think, and not only young people, like to gather at home. They come visit each other Saturday evenings, they sit at home, they drink, they eat, they have some conversations, they like to dance at home. Many people have their uh, tape recorders, and so they have the best music to their taste. Uh, well, we dance at home, and uh, we like old dances like tango and foxtrot and some new dances like twist and shape. Well, anything, if our neighbors living just below our flat do not mind it very much. But usually on Saturdays, people don't mind. Mm, maybe also it is interesting uh, to know that usually at 11 o'clock, all people in Leningrad must end their entertainment. That's uh, not to say about Saturdays and Sundays. That's exceptional cases. At 11 o'clock, our radio and TV uh, people talk to us, asking us, uh, well, first of all, they say, we thank you for listening or watching our program, but please, will you make uh, your radios or TV sets not so loud because your neighbors may go to bed? And this is, you know, the strict rule. 
if the young people go on shouting and uh, if it is too loud, their music, then any person may stop it or any person may telephone to the nearest police station and the policeman may come and stop uh, this noise. But on Saturday and Sunday, it's okay. <laughs> Most hotels and clubs have pop music, both native and imported, and there must be an international communication system at work in such places because young Russian women indicate by smile and gesture that they wish to dance with foreign visitors. The emancipation of women in the USSR is certainly a great achievement, but great achievements have a price. In this case, the price includes more complicated relations between the sexes. And we have divorces in our country. The rate of the divorces is as follows. During the first year of the married life, for 100 marriages, we have something about 27% of divorces. Then uh, they get on rather well. The next, so to say, wave of divorces is about uh, the age of 30, 32, 35. Then uh, the last one is uh, when people are about 50. Our women, uh, having uh, the same salary as men, uh, feel themselves to be rather independent. And if they don't like anything uh, about their family life, so that may be women who go to the special office and sign the appeal there to be divorced. If both a husband and a wife agree to be divorced, they pay 25 rubles each. This is the initial amount of money and the minimum. If uh, he or she are considered to be guilty, then uh, it might be the biggest amount of money which is paid for the divorce, and then only one side pays that money. It might be up to 200 rubles. This is the highest. As for the children, Usually, when children are before 12 years old, they live with their mother, if there are no any reasoned objections to that. After 12, usually they are asked, if the case goes to the trial, the members of the jury ask children whom they would like to join, and they may join fathers. So that's for themselves to decide. But if the father then says, no, I don't want to have you now, what happens? Well, then the child remains with mother. And if the mother won't accept it anymore? Well, we have special houses for uh, orphans, but it is a very rare case. Usually, I think in the majority of the cases, children go to live with their mothers. As for the alimony, um, usually it is so a mother who keeps a child, and then father pays 25% of his salary to the child. In our country, it's not the alimony which is paid for the former wife, but just the alimony for the child. And father would pay this alimony, 25% of the amount of his salary, till the child is 18 years old. Then, when, if he leaves a family with two children, he pays 33% of his salary, and if three children and more, then 50% of the salary. But as I told you, uh, women and men are equal in our country in everything. 
So if child uh, goes to live with his father, then mother pays the alimony to the father of a child, better to say to the child. And that would be the same amount, 25% of her salary to one ch child, then 33 to 2 and 50% for three children. So men and women are equal. You mentioned there earlier that uh, the marriage breakup was very high in the first year of marriage, and then one of the times you mentioned after it was again when they were about 50 years of age. Why would it happen at that uh, stage, you know? Well, I don't know exactly, uh, but I think that some men uh, who are about 50 years old would like to begin a new and uh, young life. That's why they divorce their wives, uh, usually for the reason uh, to marry a younger girl, much and younger this, than his first. succeed in getting the younger girls? Well, it might be cases, cases of love. You know, some young girls uh, would uh, maybe would like just to fall in love with a person whom they think to be very experienced and uh, know much of life. So these cases might happen, I'm sure. Elin, what is the attitude to um, contraception in your society? Well, uh, our people may go to the chemist shop and to buy any special meals, uh, tablets, pills, just anything there which is uh, bought without any special prescription for the doctor. And then, of course, we have abortions that uh, are made in the special hospitals for women. But it must be done only by the high specialist surgeons in these hospitals. In the USSR, there is a higher proportion of trucks to cars than in the West. And all the trucks seem to be of the same grey colour, with the registered number painted in large letters across the back, as well as on the plate. There is very little traffic congestion, as the streets are wide and well constructed. And the centre lane is reserved for ambulances and emergency services. The Moscow and Leningrad metros, the trams, the buses, and the state-owned taxis provide a good service. And, of course, walking is popular and encouraged. Well, uh, public transportation in the Soviet Union is uh, quite cheap. We pay five kolpeks uh, to get to the metro, and we travel uh, making all the changes for the same amount of money. So it costs people who uh, go to work uh, only 10 kolpeks a day, which is certainly quite a small amount of money. Uh, buses are also for 5 kolpeks and trolley buses are 4 kolpeks. It certainly explains why we do not have as many private cars as people, uh, say, in Europe or in your country have. We like walking along the streets of the city and we go to the museums and to the theatres into the cinemas, mostly. But more strenuous activities than walking are encouraged. In fact, there is great emphasis on sport and athletics throughout the Soviet Union. Again here, you find the accent is on participation. Every, uh, well, I'd say every arena, every gym and every stadium in the city invites young people to take part. And uh, actually, there's no charge for any kind of sport activities. And uh, in Moscow, I mean, statistics last year show that we had one and a half million 
Muscovites going in for sports of all kinds. Incidentally, I myself am a sports uh, sportscaster, and here in the Soviet Union, we judge of the standard or caliber of a sportscaster, not by how he keeps people glued to the radio or television, but how he gets more people interested in going and taking part. Our people go in for all kinds of sport, but I think that track and field, uh, maybe all the events, running and uh, throwing, are the most popular. And we have very many Olympic champions in Leningrad, like Nadezhda Chezova, and many others. She is famous for shot putting, and many other great people, gymnasts and so on. Mm, our government and the medical board of the city Soviet insist of all our young and not very young people going in for any kind of sport. For that, we have uh, about one million of sportsmen that are qualified sportsmen. We have very many sport clubs, uh, over 1,600 of them, 34 big stadiums, 19 swimming uh, pools, uh, uh, gym halls, football fields, basketball and tennis grounds and courts and so on. Very great number of them. And this is free. Our people don't pay any money for using stadiums and having uh, their training there. Also, the horse riding school is very popular, though I think uh, it is not very big in comparison to some other towns, maybe because of not very big, not a good climate that we have in Leningrad. Soccer is the football. Oh, yes, it's very popular, both uh, our Russian football and then, of course, ice hockey. And we have very many uh, skating rinks, uh, that are ready for our people in winter time, and also for the hockey. We have about six, 300 of them only to play hockey, and 108 special grounds for the young figure skaters. And the famous Bielausova and Protopopo figure skaters were many, many years uh, the European and world and Olympic uh, champions in figure skating. These winter kinds of sports, of course, are very popular with our people in Leningrad. That must be one of the reasons why uh, people in your society live so very long. They live to be quite old, don't they? Well, of course. I think that sports is very important for all of us. And we have very many songs, uh, especially for the young people, for the school children, uh, telling us about the importance of it. If you want to live a longer and a healthy life, you have to begin with your morning exercises every morning, all year round. <laughs> The circus is even more significant than ballet, theatre or opera because the importance of the circus to the ordinary people themselves is evident. The circus has a permanent home in all the major cities of the Soviet Union and in the blueprints of the new towns springing up all over the country a circus building too is included. It's not easy to get tickets for shows in Moscow or Leningrad, but then there is a good variety. The Bolshoi, the Central Puppet Theatre, the Gypsy Theatre and the Central Puppet Theatre, to mention but a few. 
But for the visitor, the priority always seems to be the Bolshoi, a word that means big in Russian. And what we know in the West as the Bolshoi Ballet is actually the resident company at Moscow Bolshoi Theatre, which stands on a site where ballet was performed since the 18th century. And for those who like the cinema, it's interesting to note that there are at least 150 of them in Moscow, and the first show is at 9 o'clock in the morning. There are plenty of foreign films, and a band plays in the foyer of each large cinema in the evening. But there's much more to life than sport and entertainment in the USSR. Out of 250 million citizens in the Soviet Union, there are 15 million party members. And out of the of the population approximately 100 uh, million are trade union members but which is not allowed and which is not welcome by our government of course that is to be at home and to do nothing it doesn't matter how rich their parents are yeah. they must either study or work but there's no unemployment in the USSR oh no we don't have any just on the contrary we have a great shortage of working hands. So a young man, a young woman, if they do not get, uh, if they cannot, you see, just passing with only satisfactory marks, can't be taken into the universities, then they have much opportunity to work anywhere they'd like. Well, are they ever compelled to work in, say, a particular city or town where there would be need of the skills that uh, somebody has got? You know? Well, you know, we have very many special departments, uh, just the bureaus of the staff members, and young people, and not only young, any, any people of any age, may go to those bureaus. But our people, I think, prefer not to go to the special bureaus, but just to go to any industrial enterprise or to talk to their friends, to their, any, uh, to their uh, relatives, and uh, to come, just as we say, around the corner, and to find any kind of job there. And we may read about the specialities, different professions that are needed all over the city. There are boards which are put near the main entrances to the shops of the factories and plants, and there the professions are enumerated. And sometimes also the initial salary is enumerated either. So people go to the chief of the staff members and have some negotiations and are welcome and usually immediately taken to the first factory they begin with. What happens then to the odd person, I'm sure, that you come across who is just too lazy and refuses to work? Well, first of all, people try to talk to him, to talk to his soul, uh, to his brains, if he has any, and uh, just persuade him to go and work. And still, if there are some young people who wouldn't like to work anywhere, they must be sent away from the big towns like Leningrad, Moscow, Kiev, or any others. And they live in the small villages, and there they work. And after one year 
of their life and work there, and many of them are also forced to go to study in the secondary school just to finish with their secondary uh, education if they were very lazy and didn't have it while living in the big towns. After one year of their life, if anything is considered to be okay with these young people by the local authorities, then they are allowed to come back to their parents and to begin a new and honest life. And are they usually cured after that year in the country villages? Well, of course, you know, this is, of course, the greatest punishment for these people, and they know that they might be sent away, so they prefer to go and to work somewhere. And when you say sent away, that means to any part of the, any state, is it? Well, yes, of course, to any republic, to any yeah. place, but usually it is not far away from their home uh, town. Yeah. Now, are there any unemployment benefits? No, no, never, never, because if we could have an, if there were any unemployment in the country, then it might happen. But as a person is needed so much just in this office, in the post office, in the telegraph office, in some shop, in the hotel, anywhere you can see these announcements, just welcome, welcome, or wanted uh, any other inviting people to work, so we don't have any special money for those who do not work. Uh, in many countries, uh, the doctor is one of the highest paid people. That is not so with you? No, I don't think so. I think that our doctors and uh, teachers, lawyers and uh, engineers, maybe they get the same amount of salary. That is something 200, 220, 260 rubles a month. Uh, well, for the doctors, if they work in the out-of-patient clinics or in the hospitals. But you know, usually we have many possibilities to get some extra money, which is allowed, as you know, we don't have any unemployment. So a doctor, for example, working for six hours in a hospital may have some uh, other job, for example, to be on duty in some out-of-patient clinic and to receive patients there. As for the salary in general, well, I think that the highest amount of money among the workers is given to the coal miners. Their uh, job is considered to be very hard, and they work only for six hours a day, not eight hours a day, as all other people of other specialities, and um, then have one month paid leave for the sanatorium, all of them, we all have one month paid leave by our government, but these people are sent free to the sanatorium, not paying any money for the special sanatorium voucher. And then they retire much younger. Usually our men retire when they are 60 for all the professions. But then there are some uh, professions where they retire earlier. The coal miners, uh, miners retire when they are 50 only, 50 years old. And the melodious voices from a Russian Orthodox church in Leningrad remind one of attitudes to religion in the Soviet Union. We have five uh, functioning monasteries in our country. So if people would like 
they uh, come there and live there, and they also study in the academy to become the priests. I mean only for the Russian Orthodox uh, churches. I don't know much about other people, for example, about Muslim people, but I think that in the uh, depart in the special parts of the country where the, there are very many Muslim people, if they are religious, of course, then there might be some schools like Medrese where they study to become uh, the mullah serving in their uh, mosques there. But all these people in the monasteries now, they are male. You don't yes, have yes, male. only male, only male. And what do they do then when they are qualified? Uh, when they graduate, uh, they are distributed, as all other young specialists graduating from un any other universities, they are distributed among the functioning churches. In Leningrad, we have 15 uh, Russian Orthodox churches functioning, and also we have one synagogue, one Baptist, one Catholic, and one mosque functioning, altogether 19. But if um, these are supplied already with the priests, then these priests are, uh, are given their special assignment to some other town or to some other village if they need new priests to go and to work there. So it is not forbidden in our country to be a religious person if you believe in God. But are those uh, people in, are they, do they come under the state laws of order, do they? decide themselves where they'll go or where they'll function or operate? Well, you know, we have uh, the high people of Russian religious that uh, live and work in Moscow, as Moscow is the capital of the country. And I think that this is for themselves to decide about any academies for the future priests and anything concerning religion. I'm sorry, I don't know very much about the religion because I'm not a religious person myself. Russia. Russia. My Russia. I see you. From my wondrous, beautiful distance, I see you. All is wretched in your confines, disjointed, uneasy. There are no wonders of nature to delight and overwhelm the sight, and no wonders of art to crown them. All is open, all is barren, all is desert in you. Almost unnoticeable stand your lonely towns in the plains. Nothing entices, nothing charms the eye. And yet, what mysterious power draws me to you? Why do I hear in my ears your melancholy song, which rings...